This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined as ever by Dave Prentice and flanked by Chris Beasley and Adam Jones as we look back at all the major talking points at Goodison Park over the past week and obviously we will be discussing that FA Cup defeat, that response at Huddersfield last night, the future of Idrissa Garnagay and I will be asking the panel whether they feel he should be sold within the next 24-36 hours as we approach deadline day as PSG Circle. We'll also look at the left-back situation which looks like being quite a serious problem for Everton heading into a big game on Saturday at Goodison Park against Wolves. Um, Prenner was last night as as much as you can uh, take from it the reaction you wanted to see uh, from the from the players. I mean, did you still expect more, or given the circumstances, with a one 0 win over the worst team in the Premier League, uh, <laughs> adequate enough? Uh, it was heading in the right direction. It was a little bit better, certainly. Um, I mean, okay, Huddersfield are the worst team in the league, but equally, they're a very well organised, very compact team. Can be difficult to beat. Liverpool found that when they went there. Uh, you know, there are no mugs, there are no rollovers. So it took a very disciplined performance. Uh, a number of positives to take from it. Yes, the character was better. Defending from set pieces was better. You know, plenty of first balls were won. When first balls weren't won, the reaction to the second ball was normally a little bit better. Seamus Coleman did have my heart in my throat when he uh, headed that one back towards his own goalkeeper, but did it really, really well in the end. Uh, Tom Davis, I was delighted by his performance. Uh, the balance in the midfield without Gay, you know, looked a little bit better. There were still plenty of things you could pick holes in, you know, because this is a side that's struggling for confidence and not playing as well as it has done earlier in the season. But it was a step in the right direction. And yeah, you know, it was... What, what did he say at the end of that, uh, that film, Babe? That'll do. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, throw a random... Uh, <laughs> Glad random that we've reference the with a Babe <laughs> reference. Um, Bees, you, you were sat in the press box uh, with me last night. Mm-hmm. Um there wasn't a great deal of action, was there? But again, similar question. Are you were you comforted at least by the fact that we got through a game and uh, to clean another clean, it was a clean sheet? So yeah, another clean sheet. They don't come around very often. Yeah, we <clears throat> we mentioned that. Um, so only it's the first on the road since uh, Chelsea on the eleventh of November, mm. and there've only been two since then, even at Goodison Park, um, Cardiff City, and Bournemouth. So yeah, that's that is welcome. Whoever that is against, and okay, it is like we keep saying the Premier League's least potent um, attacking force by some margin there, Huddersfield Town. Uh, and I think, yeah, Dad, I don't think there's much hope for them, but you can only beat what's um, in, in front of you. And um, they, they they started well, and it's a good job they did because there wasn't a lot after that. Um, a bright start, good tempo, and got, got the goal early, which enabled them to keep Huddersfield at arm's length. I mean, Jordan Pickford did have a couple of two very good saves that he pulled out but you did you had the feeling that Everton were in control and that um, it wasn't like the Alamo at the end even with, with 10 men they uh, they were comfortably uh, the better side in the night Adam given what had gone on at Millwall um, on Saturday when you saw the team sheet five changes a couple enforced some were, some were not some were tactical were you, were you confident? Um I'm, I'm not sure. I think it had got to the point where you, you're not really confident going into it, any game because you know I was confident going into that Millwall game, but then 
you know, you, you can see how quickly things get turned on the red. So I think it was more for me seeing how these players all started. And as B said, they started very, very well. And that was, in the end, the the, the, uh, the deciding factor in the match. But I think the most surprising change for me was probably the introduction of Baines. But like by all accounts in that first half, he was absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Like, it looked like he'd hardly really been out the side, which is exactly what you want to see, Re- really, when you've when you've got two such good footballers fighting for a place in the team, you know, both of them performing well whenever they're called upon, and, you know, it's just going to be a little bit disappointing that we're not going to be able to call on either of them for the uh, for the Wolves game, but, you know, as the lads have already said, like, it's it was a decent enough reaction from that Mill, from that Millwall game. I think three points were vital, uh, the clean sheets and added bonus, really, and uh, I think there's just the heart and desire after going down to 10 men, you know, like as B said, it wasn't as if Huddersfield were peppering shots at Jordan Pickford for those last uh, few minutes. You know, he made a couple of really, really good saves, but, you know, I think Everton still massively deserved that win. And uh, it's something that we can at least take into that Wolves game at the weekend, definitely. We'll we'll talk about the left back options and, and why Marco has got a bit of a headache ahead of uh, the game on Saturday. But were you surprised to see Luca Dean dropped? Do you feel he's been made? Was that a decision that you went? He's been made a scapegoat of, or was that a decision where you went? Actually, that's just a manager flexing his squad muscles and saying, actually, we've got options at left back that most other clubs would be envious of. So I'm going to utilise the, the the freshness of Baines. I, I was I was very surprised uh, and also delighted. Uh, you know, just there needed to be a statement put out to the players uh, that Saturday was just unacceptable. It wasn't good enough. And uh, you can only do that by, you know, making examples of players and you're sort of pulling them out. And if you think back to when Leighton Baines got dropped, you know, in my opinion, quite harshly after one sloppy performance down at Bournemouth and never featured again, 14 minutes of football he played in the Premier League between then and last night. Mm. He was just, you know, bombed out of sight. I think he came back in for the two cup ties and that was it. So it's almost like, you know, history repeating itself. Luca Dean, uh, you had... Not, not an awful performance at Millwall, but, you know, he was culpable in free kicks being conceded and being beaten in the air, certainly for one of them. Uh, and so carried the can. Maybe he needed a bit of a break as well. Uh, but it just sent a message out, I think, to the players that, you know, look, you know, we want a reaction. We need a reaction. So that was good to see. You know, so Tom Davis's inclusion was, was good to see. Admittedly, that was an enforced uh, mm. decision. Um, but you just needed to, a message to be sent out to the players. And, you know, by making changes as significant as that, I think that got the desired effect. Well, the change bees that raised not as many eyebrows as perhaps the, the left back one was up front. Jenk Tosin, a guy whose long-term future, well, doesn't appear to have a long-term future, the football club would be willing to sell Tosin if their valuation is met. Mm. Preferred over Dominic Calvert-Lewin, young young striker who does appear to have a long-term future at the football club. Do you think maybe he was also, as Preno said, you know, used almost to send a message out that, you know, look, that performance wasn't good enough from front to back? Um, yeah, but I'd also say that... Um Tosin did his job on Saturday after he came off the bench and, and scored so that gave the manager something to, to think about because I don't think there's ever been any doubt of Tosin the finisher mm. he's a very good finisher but it's 
Does he have that um, hold-up play? Does he have the legs to be an effective Premier League striker? And to be fair, last night he was having a real go. Um, the Huddersfield crowd weren't, weren't um, pleased with him at all. And he was having a real battle with their players and uh, getting under their skin. But that's what I you want to see. Narky. Yeah, narky he was. And that's what you want to see. You want to upset the, yeah. the home fans and get them on, on your back because it knows that you, you know, you, you're doing your job. And obviously he was unfortunate and they, they sacrificed him when they went down to 10 men. But I thought he put a real shift in he maybe isn't the answer long term he probably isn't but he's having a real good battle there last night and um, you couldn't really have asked um, other than another goal um, much more from Tosin last night So in in your opinion you don't see anything's changed in terms of Tosin's outlook at Everton yes he got a a terrific finish at Millwall for bench and as you say played played well combatively Mm. last night but would you say that his actual sort of Outlook, if you like, and, and his hopes for a long-term future Everton probably haven't improved at all. No, I think that obviously once this transfer window shuts, if he's still at Everton at the moment, it looks like he will be. Well, he's got like the rest of the players and everyone at the club to the end of the season to prove himself. Um, ultimately, I think we've all got fears that it won't happen for, for Tosin at Everton, but he'll have opportunities like he did last night. So certainly wouldn't write him up write him off I think that the, the striking situation is such that it's the same for all the strikers there none of them are enti- entirely convincing and we expect them to pursue a more high profile option in the summer but between now and then I, th- I think it's over grabs I, th- I think we've actually from what we've heard you know uh, the powers that be you know so don't see a long term future for Cheng Tosin mm. or Goodison but exactly the same situation existed for Umanias, and you know, so look what happened to mm-hmm. his career. So yeah, you know, he will get an opportunity sometime to try and change people's minds, but he's going to have to do that uh, if he's going to extend his career. I think what you've got to like about Tosin though is his sort of attitude and yeah. the way he's approaching this. Like it's never, it's never changed in his mind that he just wants to impress at Everton. He wants to make it at Everton. He just wants to get on the pitch and score goals. And you saw that last night with how much he was trying to make his impact on the match and you know if he can keep doing that you know you've, you've, you've got to feel like the goals are going to come for him at some point so hopefully he can just keep putting in those sorts of performances because that's all Everton fans are going to want to see at the end of the day they want they want players putting in 100% of effort every single game and if Tosin's going to do that then I think Everton fans are going to be happy with him um, Stay with you Ad on the striking situation Richarlison scored his 11th goal in all competitions last <laughs> night I think he equalled Rooney's return in all comps uh, last season. It was 11 goals more than you expected from him when we signed? Uh, we signed him uh, probably, but I probably wasn't expecting him to play up front as much as he, he ended up has, well, he has ended up doing, sorry. Uh, I, I thought he was very much signed as a winger, so he'd be maybe chip, chipping in with a few goals here and there. Like, I think... We really need to spread our goals out a bit more across the team, but I thought he, he would maybe hit double figures by the end of the season. I think uh, de- despite all the problems that he had with Watford last season, that you know, having not had a break in the summer and, and all that, uh, you know, his goal return was five goals for Watford last season, none of them coming after December. I think that that always sprung a little concern in Everton fans' minds. So I think when you when you when you look at the face of it, you know Richarlison's now ten goals in the league, eleven in all competitions, top scorer. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't suffer the same sort of fate as Rooney, and he actually continues scoring for yeah. the second half of the season. Uh, but you know, if he can get to 
know, towards the 18, 19, 20 goal mark, you know, that's that'll be a massive return for him, especially when he's had so many issues um, where he's even going to be playing. You know, I'd, I'd argue over the last few weeks, he hasn't really been in form. I don't th- I think he's suffered a lot uh, uh, from Everton's real well, it's got, got some, some, well, the one at Millwall looked like it was going to be important. Though, but it wasn't <laughs> in the end. But, you know, it was a big goal last night. Oh, yeah. And, and I think that's, that's all that's all you can want really, isn't yeah. it? You know, even when he's out of form, he's still getting himself in the right areas, mm. you know, he's getting chances for himself and ultimately he's finding the back of the net. So, you know, you've got to consider him as a massively successful signer and you've just got to hope that he does continue that for the rest of the season. Prenot, still only twenty one. Yeah, he's um he's been a little enigmatic at times this season, but he's been a great signing. Um was it that CIES Football Observatory in Switzerland that calculates these matters <laughs> and uh, has calculated that he's worth significantly more now than the money Everton spent on him in the summer? And if you think what a furore that caused at the time, you know, so Everton ruined the transfer market, didn't they, by spending that much money on him? Just exactly, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's been a very, very good signing and he's only going to get better. You know, he's, uh, like you say, he's still young, he's still adapting, you know, to life in, uh, in England. You know, he wasn't at Watford very long no. you know, before he came to Everton. So, you know, you're still going to see him in prove even more and you get the impression that there's a very very serious individual at work there for such like a young lad he's so focused and he's so intense about his football mm. and from what we hear it takes it very very badly when he doesn't play well and you know so desperate to improve he's been a great signing and yeah the, the one issue for me has been he's clearly not a centre forward and despite his willingness to play there and his enthusiasm at giving it a go he's always more effective when he moves out to the left you know and, and he's cutting in he scores more goals in that issue I think centre forward is it Leicester away the only well, Newcastle they're the only 10 New- times uh, he's Le- scored yeah Leicester away wasn't it yeah yes. as, as yeah, a centre forward the rest of the time they've all come from the left so he's been, he's been a very very good signing and he plays a centre forward against Brighton I don't did he? Yes, he did. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I've just ruined that argument then. All right, cheers. <laughs> but no, I mean, it, 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 again, it leads on to like a different issue because uh, we asked Mark at the press conference the other day about um, the transfer market because every signing he's brought in so far, and you can argue it might be Marcel Brands, it might be him, but okay, every signing brought in on his watch has been successful. They've been used in the first team, you know, for large chunks and they've all had spells where they've been very, very good. All six signings, you know, Jack Virginia is the other one who hasn't played, mm. but he's like a you know youngster who's like groomed for the future. So that's like you know endorsements of his uh, transfer policy. So how frustrating must it be that he can't you know buy anybody else in January when we're so desperately short of a striker mm. that can take the burden off Richarlison's shoulders and play down the middle? We know why it's not going to happen. We've been through it before on this podcast. Yeah, but you know it's it must be frustrating. But it was also quite reassuring to hear his answer saying, "Look, I talk to the board all the time. Uh, they know my plans. They know what I want to do." going forward and they're happy you know so to you know listen to me I'm happy to wait to do what we want to do in the summer until they've hopefully got some of the uh, dead wood off the books so short term pain for long term game I suppose but it is, it is quite frustrating at the moment mm-hmm. another busy summer awaits Preno um, moving on uh, to the other end of the pitch we promised we'd speak about the left back situation uh, for those of you who don't know uh, Leighton Baines who started last night was forced off after about 55 minutes with a rib injury Everton will assess that this week and hope he is fit and available for Wolves although you'd have to think he'd be doubtful Luca Dean who was on the bench came on to replace him and was on the pitch for a grand total of 11 minutes before being sent off uh, for a professional foul so he will miss the game for certain John Joe Kenny was brought on in place for the final sort of 25 minutes half an hour Um, 
bees you comfortable with John Joe Kenny, who is a right back and you know a very promising young, talented right back, going over to the other side, a position we have seen him play yeah. a little bit in difficult circumstances um, last season. Yeah, it's certainly. I would not want to do it on a long-term basis, of course. It's not fair on, on John Joe. He's very much a right-back. But as a one-off against Wolves, if needs must, yeah, I'd, I'd be fine with that as a one-off. He, he um, coped admirably when he came on Everton, but down to 10 men against Huddersfield. He, he can do a job there. It's a, it's a square peg in a, in a round hole. But as a short-term measure, that's OK, because I think um, the alternatives, like we've, we've discussed between ourselves, are moving a, a centre-back out there or, or a left-winger back mm. there. So I think that um, John Joe would be the, the, the best option for, as a one-off. I think it wouldn't have been not too many seasons ago when such full-back issues would have seen an Everton manager put Aaron Lennon at full-back or something oh, as, yeah. as, as wild as that. What, what do you think are the options at Marco's uh, disposal should later not be passed for it? Uh, well, I think... As we've discussed there, I think Kenny's the, the most viable option. You know, we have seen him play there a lot. You know, he came in to the side yesterday and I think he's he's the best fit for it. Uh, Kurt Zuma is another option. He's played there a couple of times for Chelsea. He came on in a Community Shield match mm. against Arsenal, which they ended up losing. And uh, he played his fault. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't think so. And uh, he played half an hour of a pre-season friendly against Barcelona at left back as well. So that that's decent, that's, decent opposition. He's actually played more as a defensive mid than he has as a left back. Yes. So maybe we can try and sidestep that one yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I think the other big option would be to try and switch to a five at the back mm. system, but that is dependent on either Phil Jagielka or Yeri Mina proven themselves fit yes. for the weekend and of course would you th- even if both did get past fit would you throw them both back in <sighs> I, I wouldn't throw them both back in I, I mean I, one, or, one of the one of the two I mean given that they've both come back from an injury yeah I'd, I'd, I'd much rather play Kenny there but yeah. if if Marco wants to change the system a little bit then you know he could, he could, he could possibly do Tom Davis Tom Davis Played that's a shout wing back in, in Rosomba Rock that's a shout Dominic Calvert-Lewin. <laughs> Switch him over to left wing back instead of right wing back. He plays left wing, doesn't he, yes. sometimes? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the, the only other issue, really, is that there's not really any youngsters that you can really pick up from the under-23s either. Like it's, be, it's become... There's not really anybody who's nailed down that position for David Unsworth this season. Like Galloway was there for the start of this season, but he got a hamstring in early October, which he's still not come back from. Yeah. Lewis Gibson's played there a couple of times. Paddy Charlesley's played there yes, yeah. as well, despite being a midfielder. So there's no, there's nobody really that you can call up from the under-23s either. So mm. I think Kenny, you know, he played there in the League Cup game against Sunderland, I seem to remember yes, last season, yeah, and played... Yeah. I, I thought he played really yeah, well in that yeah, in that was, position. I was chucked in at that position uh, against Lyon in the Europa League, know, if yeah, remember, of course. Uh, last season. So there are some options at least on the table but the reality is it's got, it's got to be kept. like even though it, as B said it's a square peg in a round hole we're not going to see the kind of issues that Cucco Martina had there last season you know like he was he was a long term right back playing at left back and it was never really going to work out for it, for him in that position like with, with it being just a one off game obviously Wolves are going to try and set up to try and attack him mm. but as long as we can set up enough defensive barriers around him, help him out as much as we can. You know, he's a quality defender himself. You know, he'll be able to do a lot of it himself. But, you know, as long as we can we can prepare for Wolves probably attacking that side as much as possible, then I think 
for just the one game, it'll be it'll be fine. I tell you what, we'll throw one in from a totally from left field. I remember a young Seamus Coleman making his debut in the Stadium of Light at left back oh, against Angel Di Maria. Finished five nil to Benfica, so <laughs> it wasn't one that was repeated. Uh, but you know, you can play there. Leave, yeah. leave John Joe alone. No, I mean jo- John Joe clearly is the uh, the best fit for that position. He's a fullback. I like the idea of Kurt Zuma there. I mean, one of the best left backs we've had in recent years was a centre half, Julian Lescott. Mm. You know, so I had a great spell there. He was left but, footed though. But yeah, you need to be. And it's you what know, you lose. You need to be comfortable with the position. <laughs> and equally, you need somebody that can come in and fill Zuma's you know sort of berth. Then, which you know that relies on Yerry Mina or Phil Jagielka being fit. So yeah. It looks like John Joe getting a run out on Saturday there. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Okay, before we move on to the really big talking point of the of the week, which is obviously Idrissa Gay's future, uh, needed to flag up to listeners about the Royal Blue live event uh, on the 27th of February at the Baltic Market. Uh, £5 for a ticket, which includes a free pint as well. Uh, the evening basically is uh, hosted by Alan Myers, I'm sure you all know. Uh, Michael Ball will be on the panel, myself... Preno, uh, Greg O'Keefe uh, in a Q&A session, uh, but also preceding that will be a big Everton quiz. So um, you get your tickets from eventbrite.co.uk. Uh, so please come along and it should be a good evening uh, at the Baltic Markets. That's February the 27th Royal Blue Live event. I uh, hope you can join us. Um, Bees, mm-hmm. would you sell Guy? If... Um if Everton, if Everton were um, calling the shots here, they, they wouldn't. They, I wouldn't, and they wouldn't. Um, but what they've been faced with is a, a, a late bid, late in the window from um, Paris Saint-Germain, um, and uh, a player whose representatives seem to be um, pressing for the move. Um, it may. It, of course, it's in their hands. They can always reject it, but maybe it'd be the sensible decision to make if a suitable bid is made and at the time of speaking now, um, as far as we know, a suitable bid for Adrissa Gay's valuation has not yet been met. If that improves considerably, then um, it it might be the best move for for all parties. I don't even want to go, just kind of unhappy players in the squad, can we? Uh, I I don't think it depends on value for me. It depends on whether we can get a replacement in because I think... If if he leaves at at this point in time, he leaves a massive gaping hole in that squad. We haven't got anybody who can do what he can do. Really, like we need to play two players in that midfield to try and do his job when he's not there, as yesterday proved. Uh, you'd be relying a lot on James McCarthy being back from being back from his injury and being back to full form, which, to be honest, he hasn't been in full form for what two. Two years now, mm. probably, probably, more, probably, yeah, yeah, probably longer. He, he's he's not been in his full stride. Uh, Morgan Schneiderlin as well. He's had his he's had his problems this season. You know, you relying a lot on him. Like there was rumours about him possibly going mm. in the summer as well. So <laughs> I, ju- I just think it's this bid has come too late uh, to get the kind of replacement in that we're going to need. So even if they do meet our valuation, I think it's got to be a case of. We hold all the cards here. He, we, we should have to make him wait until the summer, get a replacement in in the summer, and then if he still wants to go, let him go then. But I think it's, it's far too late now to be able to let him go. 
playing devil's advocate, um, say Paris Saint-Germain met the supposed asking price upwards of £30 million. It's 29. You know, it's clearly an area that Everton need to upgrade in. Would you sell him? I was just going to make that very same point. Yeah, drag me over there. Uh, you know, so deposit him on the doorstep. He's, he's decent. He's okay. You know, he's um, he's been a bargain signing. Seven and a half million for what Emerson have got from him. You know, it's been great value. But there are clearly deficiencies in his game that, you know, we need an upgrade on. You know, his passing is always like sort of pointed at. And, you know, I saw a stat before I came in. I think it's 86% passing accuracy this season in the Premier League, which sounds okay. It's not, you know, up with the elite, but, you know, it, it's okay. But it's the type of passes that he plays. You know, they're all pretty, you know, safe sideways passes, whereas Andre Gomez is always very positive and penetrating passes. And so we need an upgrade on that player. Uh, 29, like you say, he's not going to get any better. Um, I think his contract runs to 2022. Uh, for me, the midfield looked a little better last night and that Gomez was sitting deeper, Davis was going further forward and foraging and, you know, sort of winning balls and created the opening, well, the winning goal in the end. So it looked a little bit better. OK, Davis isn't going to play like that every week, we don't know. But I just, I understand why you would want to keep him, you know, till the end of the season uh, because, you know, it's... There is a hole in the squad. There aren't players that can obviously come in. Beningham, is he injured at the moment as well? We haven't no, seen I think him he's all season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just don't think he's getting Cle- a look. Clearly, I think he's up to, up to it then. Schneidlin, like I say, injured. McCarthy, we don't know quite what we're going to see with McCarthy. But again, to reiterate what I said earlier about short-term pain for long-term gain, you know, we're not going anywhere this season. We're out of the FA Cup. We're not going to make Europe. You know, we're going, we're going to muddle along in mid-table mediocrity so therefore you know so take the bid accept it you know so try and see what McCarthy's fitness levels are like you know so what Schneidlin is like until the end of the season and identify somebody that we can bring in you know that's a much better upgrade on that for the summer just say just say for argument's sake Preno uh, you know the, the asking price was 30 Maybe, you know say that that's what privately in, in the boardroom at Everton they went that is if we got 30 million quid that would be a great deal yeah Will we get that offer again in the summer? Do you feel that to get that level of money for a player we spent 7.2 million quid on, we have to sell now? It's, it's difficult to say because, I mean, as far as I'm aware, there's only PSG interested. Mm. I know we've seen Arsenal and Manchester City names linked, which I suspect is uh, just a Garnagay's agent doing a wonderful job of uh, trying to attract interest from elsewhere. I can't, in the life of me, see either of those two clubs genuinely being interested. PSG do seem to think that he's a good fit for them short term, you know, so what they need for the next few months. So no, I don't think we would get that kind of offer. He'd be that little bit older again. Um, he's, he's okay I quite like him as a player but that's all you know he's not a player that you think could become you know something quite special at the club like Andre Gomez could uh, you know I know he's had a real dip over the last uh, few mm. weeks but what we've seen from him there's a real footballer there that could be very very special uh, I don't get that same kind of vibe about Guy and I know you'll throw stats or people can throw stats about you know he's the best you know tackler behind Kante although Kante's playing in a different role entirely this season as well um, but I just think we can do far better in the midfield looks like a better balance altogether you know so with somebody else in there so I think the uh, the, the pros of selling outweigh the cons Bees do you, do you, do you think that, that, that um, Idrissa is, is too important to even consider selling and actually going into next season he should be one of the first names on the team sheet still um, no, I think um, what the what we've kind of said already. It, it's the timing of this bid that's the problem. Um, if theoretically Paris Saint Germain did come back in the summer and offer that same 
sort of money, i.e. 30, not just over 20. Mm. Um, I think Everton would, um, wouldn't have many qualms at all about accepting the bid. Um, we've, we, we've talked about there, there does need to be a change in the dynamic of the, in the midfield. And I think that um, moving a drister on would actually be a natural part of that. And that I'm, I'm actually surprised, I think a few people are, that PSG are so keen on him. I can only imagine is that they think that for all his, um, the limit, limited side of his game that he will do what he's good at in that tackling and move the ball on quickly to more talented ball players around him. I guess that's that's the idea and also their pursuit of the Champions League um, so like on a short-term basis. But no, not going forward, uh, I, I think that he would probably naturally be moved on Anyways, it's just like Adam said. It, it's it's the time of this. It's come so late in the in the window. Paris Saint Germain, as we were saying, they're not short of a bob or two. So why is it taking them this long to muster this bid and coming so late in the window? It's not good form. Really. I, guess, I think it's probably financial fair play, isn't it? Because you know they are being scrutinised intensely by UEFA, and so they're very keen to be seen not to be you know still throwing significant transfer fees. They've just around. signed a midfielder though, haven't they? Yeah. They've signed that Paradez. Yeah, but they want two apparently. So. <laughs> 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 if only we had. That kind of uh, you know, sort of spending power. Um, the official line, obviously, last night from for uh, Idris's absence from the matchday squad, Adam, was that he had a minor groin problem. Look, let's we have to take that at face value. We have mm. to accept that that's what the manager was saying. Did you? Did you? Did you? Well, what the better word? Did you believe that? Or, or <laughs> it, was, it was quite convenient, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. It, it was. Extremely convenient that it would, he would just be left out of the team. Maybe it was, maybe it was just Silver's way of seeing what might happen if mm. if a, a, the right bid were to come in. And I'm not saying that, like, despite what I said before, I'm not saying that Idris is like the perfect man for that midfield. Like there are, like as Preno said, there are massive deficiencies in his game, and it's going forward that's the the major issue. I think if this was the summer, then I'd be thinking, yeah, like. Now, now's now's the time. Move, move him on and bring that different midfielder in. But as we keep saying, like it's it's come so late, so late in this transfer window that there's just no there's no preparation there at, at all, really, for Everton to be able to muster up any sort of replacement. I just don't I just don't see why we'd willingly shoot ourselves in the foot for half of a season just because PSG have come in with an offer for. It's just a guy like it's not. It's not as if we're going to be short of offers. Like it, I, I, I'm not, not particularly that bothered if the offers in the summer are a bit less than mm. uh, the what the current valuation is. Like I'd be happy to sacrifice a few million quid for actually not shooting ourselves in the foot for our season. I think, I think we need to stand firm and show that, show that we are a big club and we're not. We're not going to get bullied by P, the likes of PSG coming in with stupid bids for our midfielders so late in the window apparently just again just playing devil's advocate Tom Davis played well last night James McCarthy looked like he was going to come on until the sending off Schneidlin obviously up until this week had been had been fit mm. and available but obviously hadn't been in the squads um, is there not enough there? Drop Sigurdsson back in. Yeah, there could be. Um, it would, if anything, it would give a golden opportunity to Tom Davis uh, to you know kickstart his, his career again. Uh, he looked really, really bright when he first broke into the team. You know, if you remember at the time, it was him and Kieran Dowell. Everyone expected Kieran Dowell to yeah. be the uh, the big star, and it wasn't. You know, so Tom Davis very, very quickly overtook him, and then you know he suffered 
I wouldn't say a dip, but he just suffered a few, you know, a, a few issues. And it's that old thing about a local lad that, you know, so there's always a few grumblings amongst the you know, home supporters sometimes. I don't know why it is, but it's historical. It goes back years and years. You know, the local lads always seem to be uh, more closely scrutinised than you know, players who have cost a transfer fee. You see the good things in players that you know, cost a transfer mm. fee, whereas the homegrown kids, you're a little bit you know, so more disinclined uh, to see the good that they do. But this would be a great opportunity for him uh, to just stake a claim for a longer-term future. Um, I thought he did very, very well last night. Everything he did was mature, was sensible. You know, it was... Um, uh, just a really good performance and okay it was at Huddersfield away you know so it's going to be much more difficult against Wolves even more difficult against Manchester City next Wednesday but you know he's already produced one landmark performance against Manchester City you know he's at Goodison so why not again I just think it could be an opportunity for him just to you know sort of him to stake his claim for the future and then equally James McCarthy to prove that you know he's still got you know his career left to play um, Just a final one Bees though if hypothetically the football club did soften their stance and did actually cut a deal with PSG um, in the next sort of 24 hours or whatever it is. How would you, how would you, how would you feel if you're Marco Silva, who has been very clear on the record, you know, in public, that he does not want to lose him? I guess he's, he's got to look at it with Marcel Brands and what Dave talked about as the, that short-term paying for the long-term gain. Is it, is it better to sell now and then take the hit, kind of wait for the uh, the summer. So seek those reassurances that um, not just that the money will be ploughed back in, but the right sort of replacement will be identified. I mean, it's going to be tough to do that before the window shuts. Is it, it, you know, it's hard getting anyone in of quality in January anyway, but certainly with the last 48 hours, you're, you're going to be hard-pressed and then... Marcel really would have to earn his, his corn um, in, in the short term. But yeah, you'd, you'd want to know going forward, say, look, who, who can we realistically go for in, in the summer? And um, if, if, if you're happy with that, maybe you have to take, take the hit. OK, interesting. So we shall see what deadline day brings. But Ad, what are you expecting from, from tomorrow? You know, you know, we've become almost accustomed in recent January windows on deadline day for it to be frenetic, you know, hmm. certainly since... 2016 and whatever it was, and uh, when Nias etc. came in, um, been busy since. Are you expecting mm. any activity? Are you are you braced for for a, a late flurry of deals? <laughs> I don't think so. I think uh, as long as long as Everton stay quite strong in their stance on Adrissa Guy, I think that's that's the only kind of thing that I'm expecting. That's that's all that we've been hearing about over the last couple of days, anyway. So. No, un- unless like something major happens with Guy going to PSG, and then there's there is a search for a replacement on deadline day. Then no, I can't I can't see much going on at all, really. I'm surprised that there hasn't been more uh, interest in Cheng Tosin. You know, mm. So Everton have made it clear that they're prepared to listen to offers. And there was talk that Palace wanted to take him on loan, but shied away from you know sort of permanent deal. Uh, that's you know football clubs trying to get something for nothing, but you know give him what he has got. You know he's he's a good finisher. We know that. Uh, you know other parts of his game don't seem to fit Marco Silva's you know sort of approach to you know tactical setup, which is why we think he's surplus to requirements. But you know he will do a job, and certainly in January, clubs that are down at the wrong end of the table that need goals. You know I'm surprised there hasn't been more interest in him. Maybe somebody will panic you know last minute and uh, make a bid for him. And it was at 11 o'clock tomorrow night it closes, so you know there is time you know just about to you know sort of see things over the line. So. 
Possibly, possibly, you know, so Chang Tosin, but you no, know, other than that, I can't see there being a great deal going on. Yannick Balassi's one. Can, can I was they can say, get rid of oh, Balassi wow, again? Yeah. Is, I was just going to ask that yeah. question. We'll start with you then, Bees. Yeah. Is Yannick Balassi <coughs> the fringe player at Everton who you think needs a loan move or a permanent move tomorrow more than any other player? Yeah, definitely. Um, um, it, it's, it was, we've spoken about it already, but it was bizarre, and obviously, the, the fact that he. He did come back off his, very much off his own bat. Um, but yeah, um, I'd, Marco said, he was very diplomatic about him and said um, his press conference a game before um, last, um, headed of the Millwall game, that um, Belassi, he described him as, as a great lad and a good professional, but um, I don't think he has a, a future in Everton's first team. And I think that was made clear to him. And these uh, infamous difficult conversations that took place last summer. So for him to come back now in in, in January, I, I, I think it's, he's rather misguided if he thinks he can somehow force his way into an area of the pitch which is actually quite congested for Everton. Any, it's one of the few areas where they do have quite a few options and players vying uh, for places. So yeah, I, I think he, he needs to, to go somewhere. But whether that will happen or not, I mean, he's, he's, he's obviously on, on big wages, which could put um, a lot of clubs off. Adam, is there any more, is any other player, any different player, more in need of a, of an exit uh, from Goodison? Uh, maybe Kieran Dow. Kieran Dow getting sent out on loan somewhere because I just can't see where he's. I'd forgotten he was still there. Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't see where he's ever going to get a chance at Everton. Kieran this went, didn't he? Kieran went to Sheffield United. Oh, did he? Yes, first of, first of Jan. Oh, did he? Yes. Is there you go. I don't know. I haven't really. <laughs> Well, I know, he, I know he, he played when they, they were knocked out of the cup, mm. didn't he? I think was was that his debut? Yes. So obviously that was a, a tough start yeah, for him. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So Kieran has gone. Is there anybody yeah. you think I'm thinking is there anybody else in that bracket then that you would you would think actually they need they need to get out? <sighs> Tyres. Yes. Tyres yeah. is still Yeah, he's still hanging around. He's still yeah. knocking about, yeah. I think he he, he desperately especially after being on loan at Sunderland last season, mm. you know, once you've got that taste of first team football, you know, regardless of how, how bad Sunderland season was last season, once you've got that taste of first team football when you're that kind of age, uh, not like under 23s football just isn't really the same. I think you're seeing Matthew Pennington's going through a similar sort of thing now where he just wants to be out and having first team football. Yeah. Uh, I think Tyres is going to be thinking the exact same thing and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a championship club come in and maybe try and take him off us uh, tomorrow. Apart from that, I think I think Balassi is the big one. Mm. Like I, I can only presume Balassi's come back early because he wants a loan to a Premier League side rather than being in the Championship with Villa. But it's, it's just it's just still such a weird, it's just weird a, it's decision. It's a gamble, isn't it? Villa are a great club, you know. So mm-hmm. you know, upwardly mobile, you know. So he's getting game time. He's been hauled off a few times. But, Rolled you know, the he's, dice, he's isn't he? Yeah, he's in the exact opposite from yeah. Tammy Abraham as well. Like mm. he was he was linked with a loan to Wolves, wasn't he? And he he rejected yes, that to, to stay at Villa. Yeah. I, I think I feel like Balassi's just done the opposite thing, and you know, if somebody doesn't come in for him tomorrow, it's massively backfire because I can't I can't see him playing forever. And again, Sammy Abraham has scored nineteen goals this season, one shy of twenty. Who was the last Villa player to score twenty goals in a season? Andy Gray, Darren Bent, Evertonian. Peter With, ah. uh, European Cup winner, back in God knows when it was. Read that at the weekend. Wow. No, <laughs> just just uh, looking at players that you lose track of. And another one that you know really surprised me last night. Uh, Jack Rodwell scored his first goal uh, for Blackburn 
Uh, first goal in about 18 months. I think the last one he scored for Sunderland. And he was described by his manager. Who, I, I now call him Rolls-Royce Rodwell. <laughs> and I was just quite pleased to hear that because... Um, you know, there was a very, very talented footballer there that, you know, saw that the grass was greener on the other side, went to Man City, as so many do, found out that it wasn't greener. And then his career just nosedived spectacularly. And for those that have seen that, you know, Sunderland Till I Die documentary, you know, a lot of flack was pointed at him unfairly, mm. I thought. Uh, but, you know, he was portrayed as a bit of a money grabber that just wants to stick around and, you know, sort of just pick up the wages and not play, even though he was fit and just wasn't being used by Sunderland. So it was quite good to see that, you know, it looks like his career has finally settled down again now he is playing football regularly and you know is actually appreciated where he is so you know it's a story that has had a well hopefully a happy ending indeed uh, and that's where we will end today's uh, Royal Blue podcast chaps thank you very much for your company much appreciated and interesting as always uh, remember you can subscri- subscribe rate and reviewers uh, on iTunes and the Acast app so please do that or comments very much welcome until uh, later in the week you've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast in association with Sport Pacer you've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo